Okay, so we're live. Welcome back to the Magic Minds podcast. I'm Matt Bork. You're watching and listening to the Liberty's number one podcast. Yup, the Liberty's, yup, the flats. How is December treating you? This is not the easiest time of the year for people. So if you're struggling right now, I'm sending you love, kindness, compassion and understanding. It's a difficult time without even COVID being on the on the table, as they say. So just ask you to mind your little self, you know, stay connected stay aware how are you doing i always ask people how are you doing between one and ten and you can't say five ten being i'm absolutely gucci i'm brilliant one i should have stayed in bed but you can't say five how are you doing that really tells you how you're doing it's a lovely way to become aware you know if your friend was to tell you that they were two what would you say to them you'd mind them you'd be understanding you'd be compassionate i know that's probably alien to some people to be doing for themselves but can you do that to yourself around this time and mind your little self. On the show today, I have an absolutely gem of a man, James Claffey, sports psychology. He's an ex-tutor of mine from Inchicore College. You know, I really, really love this interview. Uh, we've met a couple of times over the years back in Inchicore, and then recently went for coffee, and we reconnect. And I love his honesty. I love his openness to, to, to express his vulnerability and around mental health. As I say, he's a sports psychologist, but he's also got an extensive background in exercise, physiology, teaching, mental health. And he's gone on now, and he's doing a, a clinical psychology degree. And it was just brilliant to get him on the show because of his honesty, because of his background. And I think that people in that... Uh, field that lead from the front by showing vulnerability you know modeling behavior you know if you're an advocate for mental health like i am you have to model your, your behavior you know and he talks about you know his own struggles with mental health and the passing of his parents and the impact of that on his life and how he's turned that around and he really is grateful for all that they've taught him and all that he's learned and it was lovely to talk about and he left me with some absolute gems you know around tools and tips and he is an advocate as well for mind, soul and body. You know, it's not just all about the body. It's not just all about the mind, the soul as well. As I say, we talked about gratitude, love, kindness, you know, the importance of moving from knowing to doing, uh, routine, uh, tips and hints that you can use to, to stay safe, you know, whether you're male or female, it doesn't really matter. I was actually hoping to talk to him about men's health and uh, I didn't plan for the interview and it just meandered left, right and forward. And I just loved it. It was just brilliant. I, I took a load from a, a from a personal point of view, you know. So I think there's loads there for, for people to get their teeth into. And around this time, I think it's very, very timely. So uh, I loved it and I think you may enjoy it too. So fantastic. As always, I want to thank Noel Riley from Rooney Media Graphics. I want to thank Andy from Liberty's Media Hub. Uh, Shannon's Hopeline, uh, Lisa and Sandra Keller are doing great work in the Liberties. Uh, to you guys for listening, to you guys for supporting us on social media and sending your lovely messages and all the kind words that you send. It's really, really appreciated. I really do. It hits me in the heart each time when I hear lovely messages. So thanks very much. Uh, what have I got to tell you about? Oh, I have a book out at the moment. My Head to My Heart. It's a book that I wrote. Uh, it's how I move from my head to my heart using creativity, love, kindness, compassion, understanding, forgiveness and gratitude. Uh, it's my thoughts and feelings and my poetry. There's loving, kindness, awareness, exercise in there. And there's also a 52-week gratitude journal. 
And so if you're interested in, in purchase one of those, let us know. Contact us on social media or matt at magicminds.ie. I've also got a lovely gift set for your loved one at Christmas. It's a Mind Your Little Self kit. has the book, has a hat, has a, a candle, has some incense, it has a bar, has some drinks, and it just has a box of love. And if you want to give that to your loved one, I think it'd be a great gift. So it's sending a signal and a message to them that you want them to mind their little self. What does minding your little self mean? And I've talked about this a lot. You know, it's about that inner child in you. It's about that kid in there. When you get a fright, you feel lesser than, or somebody screams at you, or, you know, or you're having doubts about something. You just feel lesser than. You know, it, it's hard for people to say, oh, well, let's work on your inner child. But minding your little self just is a little bit easier on the palate. It's a little bit easier to digest, because I know it was for me. If someone had said to me years ago, we're going to talk about healing your inner child and minding your inner child. I'm like, fucking get out of that garden and tell them to take a, a jump in the lip feed, you know. But minding your little self is just a le little easier to do. But when we learn to mind our little self and be compassionate towards ourselves, we're just a little easier on the world. So there you go. Can you practice minding your little self uh, in December leading up to Christmas? Check out the interview. Let us know what you think. As always, mind your little self. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, so we're live. Welcome back to the Magic Moist Podcast. I'm Matt Bork. You're listening and watching now Delivery's number one podcast. Yup, Delivery's Yup, the flats. On the show today, I'm joined by James Claffy. James, what's the crack? How's it going, Matt? How are you? Are you well? I'm absolutely fantastic. How's life down in Cork, is it? Yeah, in Cork. Yeah, I love it down here. My wife's from Cork, so um, I've settled in. We're here around five and a half, six years now, so very, very happy. Yeah, it's it's things move at a little bit of a slower pace, which is nice sometimes. And um, so it's it's yeah, I love it down here. I have to say, I was there uh, maybe about ten years ago, probably longer. I went to a, a wedding down there. I think in Montanotti. Are you anywhere near Montanotti? Yeah, yeah, it's very, very nice. Yeah, it must have been a nice posh wedding that you were at there. So <laughs> I was in the Montanotti. Yeah, fair the play. Flats. <laughs> And I'll just say that there was no uh, there was nothing stroked out of the hotel, no <laughs> towels, no cutlery, no chairs or just just put that out there. So the month lot you're on to me. Last time I was there, there was a wanted sign up all right for somebody called Matt Fork. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Guys, I've asked James to come on the show today. James is a sports psychologist, but he's also a previous lecturer of mine in Inchy Core College. Uh, I just want to get him on the show today to have a chat around mental health, attitude, training. Like most interviews, I'm scripting it. We're just going to go at it and see where we go, see what we can unearth by just opening the floor to a conversation around men's health. So, look, for the for the listeners, for the viewers, just give us a, a, a brief background story of yourself and the work that you do as a sports psychologist. Sir. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, a little bit like yourself, I'm from... Um car originally myself and um I'd, I'd always got an interest from parents in education and uh, wanted to do well and that. i never liked secondary school either but for some reason when i went to college it just flourished it just happened for me you know and um, i just loved it and in in the second third year of college came across this sports psychology module fell in love with it wanted to understand it i was always one of them who asked questions who wanted to you know analyze things all the time and probably to me detriment at times as well you know it can be a course when you have that type of mind you just you know you keep asking these questions you know why why is this why is that and i suppose it's it's a really good thing and um, but it, it, as i said it can bring you down and um, black holes when you're searching for information 
information, etc. But yeah, my background would have been then in, in kind of a sports science um sports management degree and then I went on to do a master's in sports psychology, sports exercise psychology. So um since then, like you said, I got a job in Ingecore College initially teaching and I've been in Pierce College along with in Ingecore College maybe the last ten years in total, um collectively between the both. You know, so it'd be teaching uh, not just sport and exercise psychology, but teach uh, applied clinical psych as well at the moment. So I've just returned this year to do a HDIP in psychology um, because uh, the, the kind of I suppose platform of sports psychologists in this country has changed. And now you have to have a, a clinical background or a degree in psychology to, to use the term psychologist. So that's something that I'm, I, I've returned to uh, education this year and doing a HDIP in psychology. So I'm a student again myself this year um, and it's difficult, but I'm enjoying it, I have to say. Uh, deadly, deadly. Come here, then let's go back on that, what you just said there. What is your why? What is the why for you? Why did you do all that? Like, you know, what is your why in life? You know, and I think, as you said, you're always searching why, why, why. It's a huge piece keeping us on track, keeping us motivated, keeping us goal-centered when we really know that why, isn't that internal search? Yeah, it's a great question. It's it's something that I don't think, you know, it's, it's you know, if you think of um, even work, when I think about, you know, the reason why we do things and what's the search, what's the goal, what's the objective? I, I, I often come back to the work of Maslow with the, you know, the hierarchy of needs, which is obviously being translated into business terminology quite often. But Maslow was actually asking the question that you just said, you did there. What's the reason why? Why do we do the things we do? Um, and psychology is all based around that, you know, to either predict or control human behavior and understand human behavior. And for me, the why is it is an evolving thing that's always going to change you know it's one it's daily you know and and i think it it's focused off having a goal for yourself as you say but then you know not just achieving it because there's two great tragedies in life there's there's not achieving all your goals and then there's the other one achieving all your goals so you know what happens tomorrow if i've achieved all my goals today you know so that's why self-actualization becoming all that you can be what happens if that happens for Matt Bork at 31 years of age or James Claffey at 41 years of age? What happens tomorrow? So that's why you constantly have to have the ability to reset your goals. You know, why, why do we do the things we do? Um, you know, for me, there's a there's a passion, there's an interest, there's a love around education, around my family. Um, and that's a constant motivation for me. Um, I, I like to believe that I'm altruistic and that I try to help people as much as I can. Um, and that that gives me great pleasure going forward as well. Wow, that is a fucking that's a belter. I absolutely love that, and it's it's, it's it is brilliant what you just said there. The gold, you know, we get so fixated on the gold, but it can move. We can change. It doesn't always have to be fixed. And and rightly so, as you said, James. There, what do we do when we get there? You know what I mean? But and the lovely point you you, you ended on there, the altruism serving you know charity is one of the it's the most selfish thing you can possibly do isn't it serving others um, and that's endless if that's your goal there's an infinite amount of work to be done 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's something that you, you kind of push on quite heavily with your work, you know, about gratitude and what it does for us to have that gratitude towards things. Um, and, and you know, it, it, it's easy for me to sit here and say perspective or whatever, but we've all had life issues. We've had trauma within our lives at different stages. Um, but you do you do have a conscious decision, you know, at a conversation with my wife last week where we were talking about if I know um that exercise is good for me if i know that good food is good for me if i know all of these things then why do i ever make decisions that are are against that you know why do i go against them decisions um and that that's the thing we'd, we'd often say oh there was just you know a tablet or medication that I could take to make me feel this way well there is there's the pillars of health there's the the good sleep there's the good diet there's the good physical activity or exercise and i think for a lot of people since maybe the turn in 2009-2010, the idea of exercise now has become that you have to go to the gym and it's an ideal that it's a one-hour, two-hour session where you're lifting massive amount of weights or you're doing huge amount of cardio. And I think, I think it's been to the detriment of people's health because physical activity is so important for us. You know, you know, I have friends who just love recreational walks, going for walks in the hills, mountains, etc. And it's as good, if, if, if not better for you in, in many ways than some of the other things that are out there. So I think we have to kind of you know redirect what we feel is good good health at times oh belter i'm glad you said that it's not that look, i truly believe because i have a similar background to yours you know i've sports science i've done the course that you did i don't believe that exercise is the panacea for for eternal health and it's not the great way hope and it's lovely that you, you touched on that there's so much more you know people think when you go to the gym and you have abs you're healthy yeah. It's not the it's not the case, you know. You could be living your best life, going for walks, minding your nutrition, sleep, well-being, family connection, all these other things, instead of somebody that's over in Ben Dunn's or one of these gyms, beating themselves to death with the stairmaster or, or bench pressing the fuck out of life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a great point. How do we how do we move from what you just said there, knowing to doing? I know I should be doing this, or I, I, I know this, I know that. How do we move from that point from A to B, really putting that into practice? For for me, it's, it's as you said, as we kind of said at the outset of the show, like we are mammals at the end of the day, we're creatures of habit. So routine is, is, is so important for us. Habituation is so important for us. So it's about trial and error and finding out what works for you as opposed to other people. Um, and I really believe the idea of just planning your days is such a key concept it's something that i believe you know when i go back to school and i think there was a, one of their tutors who put out a, a diary for us one day and it just had the days on one side and the hours on the other and just said look plan out your week in terms of study this way and um, and now when i'm teaching you know modules based around lifestyle improvement programs that's the first thing that i'm asking people to do is just just write down and actually have a look at it because look i'm sure you've come across this with in your line of work as well matt that how often do people actually say, what did I do last week? What did I actually do last week? What did I eat? What did I drink? How much sleep did I get? And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that every morning you wake up and you say, oh, 7.34 hours or 3. <laughs> it, it, it's not a case of doing that or being that rigid around it. It's a case of just being able to plan your days and have that. And what you'll find is you, you will find pockets in the day, you know, um, for even acute bouts of exercise you know if it if you've got like you know i've I worked as a, a gp consultant for exercise psychology for for 
year and a half. And one of the things I found with people who were, you know, in high end jobs was that they'd constantly say, I don't have the time, I don't have the time. But the reality is you've got to make time for these things. So it might be, you know, to, to, again, you park the car 15 minutes away from where you work and you, you walk 15 minutes and then you have to walk 15 minutes back to it after work. So at the bare minimum, you're getting your 30 minutes of, of physical activity a day. And at the point that you made them, you know, people who are, maybe obsessed with with exercise and, and and things like that is that we should be looking after the internal side of our health and you know organs etc our, our heart our, our lungs um first and then the outside you know can follow then if that's the desire that you you know if that's the desired outcome that you want massive biceps triceps whatever it may be you know and um, so i think for people uh, if you plan these things and just try it for a week parts of it will work parts of it won't but the more you actually do it, the more it'll become routine, you know. And 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 if we're anything in this life, you know, we can say things. But if we're anything in this life, it's it's our habits become consistently who we are. Oh, that's a cracker point. My mentor Jeff Thompson uh, has a great quote, and he says, "Start working, or stop working out, and start working in." Brilliant, brilliant. I love that. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely, because it's it's the inward stuff, you know. I, I I've um I do I do talks in relation to mental health, which we'll probably come to shortly. But the point that it, that always arises for me is I've got a diagram um, that I start with, and it's just the house. Um, but at the bottom of the house, at the foundation of the house, is your mental health, you know. And you can have great physical health, and you can have um, great social health, so you know numerous amount of friends etc but what you'll find is if that mental slash emotional health is off in any way the house will fall down and so it's key to be able to look after your, your, your mental health because it's the foundation of everything you know if you think about it if your mental health is off and you're anxious or you're worrying or pressed about stuff you're probably not going to want to eat right you're probably not going to have the motivation to go out and cook a healthy nutritious meal or go and pick up all the products that you need to do them things so if your mental health is off uh, chances are your diet nutrition will be that means that your energy levels will then dip if your energy levels are low then you might not want to exercise either so then pillars of health are actually falling away and they're not going to last very long without the foundation of the house being set up initially Ah, oh, Belter. I know you, I, I just ran a little uh, program called Mind Your Little Self. It's a six-week program. And exactly what you just said there, James, the, the foundation, build it. How can you build a house on a riggedy bridge? You know, and mm. when you, your mental health, your, your mindset, your attitude, your perceptions, that is so important to building them foundations. Like when you're stressed or anxious or nervous, your, your vision narrows. You don't see the exercise. You don't see the nutrition. You don't see the sleep. You know, it just becomes constricted, doesn't it? Of course, and and it's evolution. It's it's set up that way. I'm sure everybody's heard of fight, flight, or freeze, and we're set up that way that it's the the, the response mechanism that we have. If there's danger, we we can feel completely anxious because the body is getting ready to flee or stay and fight. And when it's in that mode, there's numerous amount of adrenaline or adrenaline running through our system and um, and it's only normal to feel that way because we 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 evolutionary speaking our, our body 
isn't aware that our mind knows that we have things like central heating and we have things like iPhones and we have things, you know, like laptops and everything else that goes with it. Evolutionary speaking, we're predisposed to do one thing every day and that's survive. And if, if there's anything that's uh, threatening that in any situation, the body, the body will feel off kilter, you know? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Me and you met a couple of months ago go for a coffee and we had a chat or we, we walked in a park and I'll, I'll, I'll touch on what you did was brilliant and why I liked it, right? But what you do when I have chats with you, you elicit dopamine in, in me. I feel safe around you having chats. Is that something you use when, you, when you're working with lads for mental health, talking about these subjects? Because these are not easy for people to, to take on board, specifically lads. Now, I'm not being sexy when I say that. I'm only speaking for myself. How do you go about bringing up these conversations? Is is that something you're aware of that you do? Um, I think I probably tried to manufacture it a little bit, but over the years it's refined and I'm hoping that it's more organic now when I'm speaking about these things. But I think the key with anything, um, and this was something that actually, there, there was there was a, a young person, I won't say male or female, that was part of the, the group that you were with when you were in Injicore College. You remember speaking to them, and and it just came into conversation. I'll never forget the conversation. Um, but this this student actually said to me, you know, oh, it's easy for you. Everything is great. You know, you're, you've got a great job, and you know this, that, and the other mentioning other factors around what they probably knew about me at the stage, and. Since that time, I, I kind of really understood, and I, I, I got it from being a young person myself. I always had an imposter syndrome. When I was doing well in college, I wondered, how am I doing well? I'm just a lad from Inchy Carl, like, you know, who's, you know, used to playing out on the road with all his mates and everything else. So how how is all this happening? And and I'm not going to lie, there's, there's always that little part of that imposter syndrome thinking, you know, am I where I meant to be? Have I achieved all these different things? And I think it's important because the point I'm going to bring up now is the about vulnerability, showing that you're not perfect, showing that you're real, showing that there is days that you wake up and you're p- pissed off and there is days that are terrible and there is days that, you know, you're saying to yourself, am I going to make it through this day? Am I going to feel good at the end of this day? And how how do I go about doing that? Um, so I think the key with them things showing vulnerability and and showing that you're a real person you know i tell i tell this story quite often there was a a tutor when we were in college um and there was a a young lad who who kind of asked a question the tutor had made a comment i can't even really remember but it was something about you know uh, anatomy and physiology it was like aerobic anaerobic and the tutor actually had said them back to front and all that happened was one of the guys in the in the class said, "Oh, sorry, sir. Don't you mean it's this way?" And that 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 you were um, said no, and and kind of it it came very apparent to us very quickly that he knew he was wrong, but he just wouldn't admit it in front of the class. Um, and I think that day really was a huge learning curve for me to show that you're gonna be asked questions you don't know the answers to you're gonna be vulnerable there's gonna be parts in psychology that i'm i'm constantly in a class where a student will bring something up and it could be in a topic that i'm teaching and i'll say interesting i never even knew that before so that's fantastic piece of information uh, that i've got there but the key around for me mental health and, and and kind of you know um deciphering information from young people and gathering information is that vulnerability is to show them that you're human and that you know 
it's it's a normal feeling to feel that way you know yeah that's brilliant i love that that's what it is about you you elicit honesty you elicit vulnerability you the way you speak your tone that just puts me I remember always talking to you that's the feels i got and then when we went on that walk and which i loved we done this walk by side side by side walking in green or walking in blue and I used that tactic in work. I, I do side by side with lads when we're having difficult chats. Can you can we talk a little bit about that kind of method that you use? Yeah, it, I I just think you know it 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 has to evolve. I think if you if you by nature if you think about it, we're not we're not used to being captive. We don't like the idea of being captive. We don't like the idea of being stuck somewhere. So. When you're speaking to somebody maybe for the first time about something that could be quite important to you if it is something like anxiety or depression or emotions or if somebody's bringing up topics like that what you'll what you'll tend to find is that it's done in a a room that might have a plant you know it could be a generic room plant in the corner two chairs box of kleenex on one side in case somebody gets upset and i think people feel threatened by that you know so i i i'd often say you know whether permitting or even even if not to try and create some green therapy where it is just like two people walking side by side and having a chat in a in a, a, a nice area like we did that day um, and then you know you're blessed with the memorial park that there's there's green and that there's blue there you know you've got the river beside it as well so these are all parts of nature and i think you know from a spiritual point of view they can help heal us as well there's definite there's definite amount of thing, uh, amount of kind of calmness that comes with being around them things and i just bring that back to maybe evolution again you know if, if you think about it um when we had you know highly um dispersed um forests areas and things like that uh, it was probably where people would have held up and, and held camp and being safe or felt safer that they weren't out in the open that they would have been you know warmer within these things and then obviously water is something that we need to survive on a day-to-day basis so that might be very deep into it but it's certainly why i'd feel that it, it, it there's a subconscious calming effect to it yeah brilliant i love that and it we sometimes forget where we came from when we talk about evolutionary psychology and we 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 forget that that these things have been going on for eons and we forget to use them it's lovely that you're talking about that and i think it's also when you do face to face it's less threatening isn't it you're less seeing you're less and as a man you don't feel as weak because you're looking into another man's eyes let's go back to evolutionary psychology you're both meant to be strong males protect, kill, hunt, gather. So you're looking into another man's eyes. He can see your weakness. You can see his weakness. You know, and, and you're like, oh, geez. But at least we are walking side by side. Just, it allows that space then, doesn't it? Yeah, of course it does. And it's, you know, uh, there's probably a contradiction in terms for me there that I'm talking about evolutionary speaking and saying that, you know, the the, the mind in many ways hasn't evolved past the predisposition predisposition to survive every day but the the newer part of the brain the neocortex um and particularly down the frontal side of the brain the frontal lobe um they're all the kind of higher executive functions so they're the big decision makers but that's evolved over time as well so you've got a mix of both and that's why you can kind of trump these things at times it's where you can kind of feel really calm around them 
Um, and then there's times when people who would say, oh, I don't really like that either. And that, that comes back to, you know, everything in, in life is individualistic. There's too many thing, uh, the factors that would be based around these things that can change from minute to minute, from day to day. And in fact, one of the big things that um, always stood to me around people who are suffering with maybe mental health or having issues around mental health is that, you know, sometimes you've got to just say if when i get to the end of today it's a little victory and that stood with me for maybe 12 14 15 years now that there's some days that are so hard that when you get to the end of the day you've got to say little victory i've achieved what i set out to do today am i part of the fittest gene pool have i made it to the end of the day will i be here tomorrow yes i will be so therefore i'm part of the fittest gene pool Absolutely fantastic. And I would have never looked upon that. Sometimes in my gratitude journal, which I just done this morning, I will write down, you got through yesterday. Yeah. You know, you done all that you had to do. Winner, winner. I wouldn't have even thought that as being in a success. But that's how basic sometimes looking after yourself is, isn't it? Yeah, and, and that that's the key. And it's it's it there might there might just be little mnemonic devices to help you, you know, like for all the ills of social media, there might be a time where, you know, you're going through it and as I said before, a big part of the, the, the kind of content that you'd have up is about gratitude and it might just be something like that, a little mnemonic device to say, Hang on, I'm 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 very grateful to have the things that I have within me life, you know, and that's that's a big key feature for me as well you know, they're based around having gratitude. And I think when I'm cognizant of that, when I'm aware of that, I tend to find, Matt, to be honest, I have better days, you know. Um, my dad passed away four years ago. My mum only passed away five months ago, which has been the worst experience in my life. But I've had conversations with people, and it's interesting because it's actually the gratitude that I have towards having them for the time I've had them and the person that I am because I've had them that gets me through that. So I, I really, really am a strong believer in the gratitude. You know, there's days when I'm angry at the world and I miss me mom and I miss me dad. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel irritated and anxious about things. But then when I step back, I say, I'm, I'm so blessed to have had people in my life who've had a profound influence the way they've had um, with me for, for the time that I did have them. And that's, that is a key um, in terms of my daily success as such. And, and the daily success isn't me saying I'm going to go and get a PhD today. I'm going to go. It's the daily success some days is just getting through the day. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. I love the way you switch that mindset to, to loss. I lost. I haven't got any more. And then you switch down to what I have and what I'm left with, what they've given me, what I have in my heart, which is which is gratitude. How you've touched on this a few times now. How important do you think awareness is to all this, to minding your little self, to becoming well, to be grateful? How impactful is awareness for you or consciousness? Yeah, it's it is, and and as I said to you before, um, you know, we did this this chat walking around that day, and it was really good, and um, there was lots of good information, and, and as you said, it was the feeling after it that was really good, and um, I think, you know, awareness is, is one that can kind of, it's like a hurdle, you know, you can jump over and forget that that hurdle's behind you, you know, until you reach the next hurdle, so you have to sometimes be mechanical about it and put a couple of hurdles in your way, so for me, that's where the power of self-reflection comes in, where 
you know, you are reflecting on your day. You're reflecting on the actions that are in that day um, and what you've done on the previous week. Like I said, with students, if that's creating a food diary, if that's creating an exercise diary, a sleep diary, whatever it is that's going to make us aware of things, because it could be something as simple as, oh, it sure look, I was in the gym or, it was, you know, I've exercised three or four times this week, so I've been pretty good with it. But, you know, unless you look back on a diary, you might find that, well, you know, actually on the third day, I've done a really heavy session and actually took in very little water. So maybe was I feeling a little bit lethargic the next day? And because of that, then what was the overlay? What was me moods? You know, um, and I think we, we spoke about all them things, but quite often, you know, it's it's good good practice for me to say, you know, how am I feeling at the start of the day? And how am I feeling at the end of the day? You know, how do I rate that? And what way am I rating it? What's the scale I'm using? Is it just that I'm getting up and I'm a little bit later getting up or, you know, I'm getting up and I'm angry because it's a day that's representing something that I don't like? Or is it the flip side where at the end of the day, uh, I'm feeling great because I've done things or I've achieved things? Oh, brilliant. I'm absolutely, I'm having uh, aha moments left, right and centre here. I, I, <laughs> I love that point that you made of putting barriers in there so you do get them to jump over. And as Steve Jobs says, right, and this is what you were saying in reflection, when we look back, we can join the dots. And it's only then, by putting them barriers, by self-reflecting, because I do always say to people, they don't know if I can do it. And I said, well, then look back at your life. Look what you've all achieved. You've done this, this, and this. This tells me that you're an achiever. Join the dots. So the chances are you will do well, but put it down, self-reflect. And another piece that you said was brilliant is, how do you rate it? I use a little tri- a little uh, t- tool in the morning when I get up. I rate how I'm feeling between one and 10, and I can't say five. 10 being Gucci, one, I should have stayed in bed. Five, you don't know where, you're just shrugging <laughs> your shoulders, going, I'm grand. But that tells you where you're at. Like if you're an eight, you're deadly. The world is going to look a little bit different. If you're a two, you might need to mind your little self. And it's, I just believe it's good uh, emotional awareness. Because, you know, if, you, if you'd say to yourself, I'm a two, what would you do if your daughter or your mom or your dad said to you, you're a two? You'd mind, your, you'd mind them, you'd look after them. Can you do that for yourself? I love self-reflection. Yeah, it's, uh, like, uh, again, it's kind of, I probably feel like I'm repeating myself at this stage, but I think it, what you're saying there is, is, um, is vital in many ways because, there is times when you are on that too, and that's where your your social support network comes in, you know. And people are probably listening, going, "What's the, you know all well, your social support network? It's just your friends, it's just your family, you know." I'm blessed; I've got a good support system with friends, and I've still got an amazing family. Um, and and my wife is just unbelievable, you know. I'm, I'm very lucky that I found her, and there you go. That's the gratitude. That's the the, the fact that I keeps bringing it back, and um, that helps you say, look. I know what I'm going to be doing or where I want to go because I've got that support system. And if I'm on it too, I go and speak to them or I go and do something with them. But it's it's like, you know, people, motivation has become a solid world, word in many ways because people are taking it and it's thrown around, you know, influencers, Instagram or all of this kind of malarkey that's going on. But really, motivation is so important but you have to remember motivation comes from the word mover which is to move so movement for us as a as a species is vitally important and sometimes when you're on the two 
as hard as it is, and people who go to the gym all the time or have gym programs would, would attest to this, the hardest part in the world is to get there, to move yourself to get there. But once you get there, then all of the other things happen. And, you know, the feeling after it is amazing. So that's what I was referring to earlier in, in, in the show when I said, wouldn't we all love this tablet that we can take that's going to make us feel better, that's going to make us sleep better, that's going to make us... And, and exercise is that. And that an exercise for everybody around the world is going to be different um whether you're the, you're the one who wants the abs and if it's the one who wants the abs uh, and it's going to make them feel happy um that's their choice because that's their that's that's what they want um and then there's the people who have the have the option of then just being you know i just like physical activity i love getting the dog and i love walking around the, around the block with the dog it's fine everybody's got their own conscientious decisions to make um, and i just feel that you know if you're on it too remember that that's normal as well because you're never just going to have that upward curve for the rest of your life you're going to have them days where you're on a two or you're you're on a three or a four um, and it's you know it's like the eeg machine you know it's going up and down it's up and down and life is the very same you can't have them you know ups unless you have the downs you know and i like the idea of life you know again cliche life like a roller coaster but when you're on the way down and you're feeling like that remember that you're just gathering momentum for what's going to be on the upward curve oh brilliant you only said that because you're a ronnie keaton fan didn't you i am i, I actually sing a lot like him as well you? <laughs> you do have the boy you have the boy's own poster still up in your bedroom don't you <laughs> Yeah, no, no, they're all they're all over the house here. I have a lot. I'm more yeah, like no. an man, to be honest with you, man. Uh, you're more like an S Club Seven man, I say. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. Do you know it's a brilliant point that you're making there? I was never aware that life was a tipping scale. I only thought it was good and bad, happy and sad. I didn't know that you could oscillate between the two, or like even the seasons. You know, we have the winter, we have the spring, we have the summer, autumn. And life can be like that for people within an hour, within a day, a week, a month. And when you become aware of it and you watch without judgment, a two or an eight, bad weather, good weather, they just oscillate. They come, they go. When you don't attach uh, resistance to them or you don't get attached to, because I'm mad for buzz. I love the eights. I love the nines. Hate the twos and threes and ones. But when you just when you realize and become aware and cognizant, as you said, that you can be a two and an eight in the same day or even in the same hour or the same fucking conversation. Yeah. And it's all just is. And and that's that's the key. And that that that's the hardest part because when you're on a two, you know, and this this is what, you know, with like you said, with your programs that you put out to, to people, what's what's amazing about it is that you you are aware of it but now i've got evidence now i've got a six weeks program so somebody comes out of your six week program and something happens the following week and they're feeling really low they're on a two and when you're in a two you never really feel like you've been on an eight you feel like oh you know the last six seven eight weeks have been horrible and it's only people who are on the outside who see it and say well, it hasn't been, you know, it really hasn't. And the, the idea of having a diary where you can go back and say, holy God, I actually was on an eight for six of the seven days that week. It's just that I'm in a two now and I'm consumed by fear and consumed by worry and consumed by anxiousness that I think I won't be on a seven or an eight again. And it is that fear. It's that anxiety that will probably um, affect us on a day to day where we think, oh, will I, you know, will this be the way it is for us? You know, will it be like this tomorrow? But it does. I keep saying if 
if you can. And there are people in some cases who have monumental uh, life, you know, um, situations around them that it's hard for them to maybe hear this and say, oh, you know, he's saying that, how could I go and do this? But it, the, the movement on it, and the movement doesn't have to be physical activity. It could be just like you said, get out a piece of paper this week or today, I'm going to achieve A, B and C. And if I achieve them, then, you know, you start to put a list together. You start to put together a set of goals that you've set. And every time you're feeling anyway conscious about, oh, I've done nothing, or like you said about joining the dots, you go back and all of a sudden you have this amount of sheets of paper of goals that you've achieved in the last five, six months. Mm, oh, that's brilliant. And it feels like I'm looking in the mirror talking to you here. I've done that with my gratitude. You know, I was one of those people, and oh, it's always shit, I feel shit. And other people say, you're always in bad form. Or this is like, why don't you get extra help? Or why don't you do this? So I, I consciously, for a long, long time, put down on my gratitude journal, put on my three, uh, my three whatever is great for today, and at the top of the page per day, I'd write down how I was feeling between one and ten. And I'd wrote down every day, and I look back on what was the common denominator. I added them all up and divided by, say, seven by, by whatever numbers were there. And that gave me a reflection of, no, you are roughly a seven most of the time. Because I would be thinking, and our... Uh, our negative bias will tell us, no, nah, it was all shit, it was brutal. And when you look back, go, no, I actually wasn't. They're all, and it helps you because it, it helps you then move out of that mindset of, oh, it's always shit. And like what you just said there, sometimes you think you'll never be an eight again or you'll never be a nine. And because I used to think it'll always be like this. Yeah, and you do, you get caught in it. And, you know, there's, there's contributing factors to why. Uh, some people may uh, get caught in them things, but I think uh, there, there, there is them moments where you're coming out of it then and you're probably not really realizing it. Um, so you, you, you've, you've, you'll find a solution along the way to them things. And, you know, there's no, there's no um, great worry or concern for people who, who don't have the answers right now. Sometimes it's just about pressing pause. And then if you need to, you can always press reset. You know, you can always press reset and go again or change this or change that. And as you said, like confirmation or negative attitude, bias, whatever it is, will lead us down a path of, you know, well, this is the way it is. It's always going to be this way. I'm never going to come out of it. Um, And that's where you do need a little bit of help. That's where you need to have somebody who... um, you know, like your wife, your 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 daughter, your your husband, whatever it is, they can help you come out of it. You know, and I've been blessed in that way because I've got friends who'd be, you know, really positive in terms of you know their day to day routines. And you know, one of one of my best friends would be a, a personal trainer. But it took a long time before I got the idea into his head. I guess that you know, you're not just a personal trainer; you're advocate of good health. You're advocating good health because what you're doing is creating systems for people to be better in themselves and create better, again, better versions of themselves, but, you know, versions that they might be a little bit more happy with themselves, you know. So for anyone out there, there's always ways of just flipping the script and, and, and as you said, jo- joining the, the dots together and saying you've you've actually done a lot better than you have. Um, and, and you know what? The key then is just, just don't go down the social comparison route because it's all fake. It's not real. You don't need to be comparing yourself against people or Jimmy down the road or whoever it is. You know, focus on yourself and your own circle. Um, and, and if you do that, and as you say, if you can be honest with yourself, if your attribution is, 
you know, oh, that teacher hates me, he really doesn't like me, you know, he threw me out of the class because I came in a half nine. Maybe look at why, you know, you came in a half nine. Maybe have a look at, you know, them things around what happened. You know, flip it again and, you know, put the mirror up in front of yourself, as you say. Love it, love it, love it, love it. That's a brilliant quote you just said there about your mate. Uh, he, he is more than... He's more than a personal trainer. He's more like sometimes we forget the enormity of our roles. You know, I'm going to do some work with a crash in a uh, 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 junior genius. Like they've got such power at the hands. I don't mean to be put uh, uh, responsibility on them, but they can change kids' lives. Like he, as a personal trainer, he can do more, be more. He is an inspiration to these people. He can he can really flip around because personal trainers are more than just. The physical side, you know what I mean? They can be counselors, they can be advocates, they can be coaches, they can be mentors, they can be they can be just a loving soul to a human being. Of course. And and in most cases, people will look up to them the way they would look up to an educator or to a you know, a coach or whatever it is. So there's a strong relationship towards them. They see them as an authentic source, particularly when it comes to health. So if they're giving them advice that they're giving them the right kind of advice and good advice, what will work for that person. And that's why it's it is so important for people to kind of you know grasp the concept of of health you know why are we doing the things longevity you know feel better be able to create systems where we're mobile to perform and we're older and all of these different things that go with it you know and it it is it is something that each day as i keep saying is that you, you look back on the concepts of health and you've 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 input them for yourself and maybe you've input them for your, your wife or whatever it is but if you're inputting them for for the two of them people i.e yourself your wife and then you're doing it for a whole host of other people for me you're restoring humanity then you know you're you're doing your little bit to create a a, a longer lasting species as such yeah brilliant you're back to just what you said earlier altruism you know really being a servant uh well you made a great point there which i thought was fantastic comparison you know, that's a huge piece. Social media does that. And if you think of it, if you go back to what we studied in college, back to basic anatomy and physiology, you cannot compare one cell against the other. It's just impossible. You can't even compare one hand together, one footprint, one. And you right up to life. There's no comparison. We cannot compare ourselves to other people. You can't compare one system to other. It's just unrealistic. You just can't comprehend how, how unrealistic that is. You just can't do it. But we do do it. It kills us, doesn't it? it? Kills passion. Yeah, of course. Um, and 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 it does kill passion. It kill it kills a lot of things, including friendships. Remember, you know, it it's something that can become that can, you know, become a real barrier between friends and friendships and 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 lifelong ones as well. It's it is interesting that you know we change over time. Um, and and that that sometimes we were apologetic for it, but there's, you know, certain people who maybe I grew up with who now have a misconception of the person I am and think, oh, he thinks he knows it all or he t-, whatever it might be, because we're not in the same circle anymore, you know? Um, and that that's that's part of growing up as well. Your circle will change and you're going to have to make, you know, my dad um, used to tell a great story, you know, about anchors, you know? Now, don't uh, just, uh, you know, don't think I'm saying the other word there because he wouldn't make that. <laughs> he, 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 he never, he never cursed at all, you know. But anyway, he used to say, as best you can, stay away from anchors because it, no matter what they do, their job is still to bring you down, you know. And they, they mightn't consciously be doing it, but 
the, the more people you're around, the more anchors you're around, that system is just going to keep coming down and down and down. And it stood with me now where I've lost friends who might have been in my circle the whole of my life or near enough to it. And I've had to make conscientious decisions that they're actually bringing you down. You know, when I tell a story of my friend there, the PT or whatever it might be, and, you know, you really tell with your friends, I feel, when things are going well for you and they're delighted or they're happy. You know, something, uh, I had a really uh, good news on something you know, a couple of months ago. And when I was talking to my friend about it and chatting, um, the joy in his voice, the happiness in his voice, like, you know, with an audio often maybe two and a half hours later, just saying, oh, I'm so happy, I'm buzzing for you. You know, you really deserve this. And it's such a... It's something that's kind of lost a lot of the time where you can be happy for someone else. You know, it's it's not vicarious living because you're not living through it. He's not happy because he's associated to me. He's happy for me. And that's a major part uh, of, of what I believe is, is important. I absolutely love that one. Anchors, they bring you down. It's like that. It's like that one, isn't it? The crab mentality. You know, the crabs pull each other from getting back up. They pull each other down. And it's back to just becoming aware. And, you know, who who are you surrounding yourself with? And I have to really resonate with what you said there. I get that too, James. Uh, you know, I, we, like when I speak to friends that I've been friends with a long time, you know, we can't even have a normal conversation with you. Why are you going so deep? Or can they not just, and when you analyze what they say, when they, and you don't take it for face value, say, yeah, but what about you? looking at it this way and they go jason i'm just telling you what do you start giving me stick for you know and they turn it back on me i'm like i'm just trying to be honest with you this is the way i see the world now i don't see it like when i had a couple of points and i say ah fuck that don't be worrying about that it's sure blah 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 negativity now i'm kind of looking at everyone's behavior all of it but then friends will say to you oh jace you've changed you really have changed you're real deep now it's hard to it's hard to it is to and, and you know what, you're spot on. I think like there's there's a couple of concepts in there that are, are important. But I think staying true to yourself now and not not just reverting to type. And it happens so often where it's it's an easy thing to do. What happened, it, it used to happen quite often where, you know, I obviously wasn't in college in, in Dublin, but I'd come home at the weekends um, and the, the social circle was still the same. But I was changing. I was I was grow, I was growing a different area and you know the backdrop of that then again to be honest was that a number of them people were in you know certain trades at the time who were making a lot of money and I was a student who was you know doing the best to get by working hard um and doing everything I could to gain the education that I needed um because you know what again a little golden nugget from my dad used to say you know on a Sunday evening you know, the, you know, growing up, this was on a Sunday evening. Do you want to be that person who is absolutely dreading the week ahead because of the profession that you're in or the job, you know? And um, so it was something that was strong, strong within my psyche from an early age, probably at a subconscious level. But I didn't understand that until I grew up and realized, you know, all of that talk about, you know, having, having, um, having a, a profession as opposed to a job or having a career as opposed to a job um, really stood with me, you know, and I did. I always go back, I'd, uh, I think it was 14 or 15 and I got a job in a, a, a building site it was um, one summer, you know, and 
the hardest summer of my life. I actually thought I knew hard work, thought it was hard work and thought it was this. It absolutely killed me every morning, five o'clock onto the bike, cycling, blah, blah, blah. But it grounded me. I tell you, the, the next year in school was probably the best year I had because it just gave me the motivation to want to achieve and go and do something different, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, I'm loving I'm loving how much of your dad's coming out of you and is a vessel of love and kindness and truth. It's absolutely fantastic. It's great that he served you so much. And that's that, that's how you speak. It's deadly. I'm just watching. It's fantastic. What do we say to somebody that's going through that similar path of, you know, make a change? Because people on my program, the Mind Your Little Set program, goes, man, by the end of this program, I'll have no mates. Uh, they're all falling away because I want to do different things. How do we support people that want to make these positive change, impact their life, change the direction and be more truer to their to their uh, mind, body and soul uh, aspirations? It's, it's, you know what, I think the two of us would be uh, very wealthy people if we knew the complete answer. But I can only say that it's it, you have to you have to kind of look at it from a different perspective in the sense that, you know, um, a lot of your, your listeners and yourself, you probably read um, Victor Franklin's book, you know, Search for the, for the Meaning. Um, is that what it's called? Search? Search for, for Meaning. Man's yeah. Search for Meaning. Yeah, man, search for meaning. Sorry, but you know he talk he talks about this existential vacuum, um, it, that that we now don't have. That there there was no great war, there was no depression, but COVID has probably changed that a little bit for us. So now we've we've all of these life factors, and now we've COVID probably put on top of it. Um, and the key within the book that I took from the whole thing is that people actually don't mind change; they don't like the idea of them being changed. So what am I saying there is that change is inevitable and most people are aware of it, but it's the idea that I am changing or have to change because there's something inherently wrong with who I am. And that's not the case at all. What, what we're saying in these factors of change is that we're just creating a better version of what's there. Are you a bad person now because, you know, you eat takeaway two or three times a week or you, you don't have a good diet or you don't have nothing of the sort? You know, there's a little thing called life that happens, you know, and that's why we should never pass judgments to the best of our ability on people. Um, so you've got to take that big, I always say this to people, take that big step backwards, have a look at it and say, okay, right, if it was me giving advice to this person, how how can you change things? Little by little by little. And it might be today that I'm going for a five minute walk. That, that might be, and that might be the extent of it, because you know, even if we think of it from a biomechanical point of view or an exercise point of view, if I said to somebody, you know, look, you want to do this, oh, you know, the, 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 the main one that we see these days is increase muscle mass or decrease uh, body fat content. So if that's the goal of someone, no issue with that whatsoever. But if somebody wanted to decrease body fat content and I said to them, you know, cardio is good and that person hasn't exercised in a year, a year and a half and they decide, well, cardio is good. I'm going to go out and do three hours. There's going to be a break in the system. They're going to be injured the next day. They won't be able to exercise the next three or four days. They won't. So that's the key with everything. Mental skills are the same as physiological skills. You have to be able to practice them, but little by little until they become there. Because I think I said this to you before, in terms of mindfulness and meditation and all of them things, I was the I was the the, the stereotypical guy who'd be like, mind that's you know that's a lot of that, but you know this kind of attitude towards. <laughs> I'd never be into any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. What do you want to do that for? You know, but 
you got to practice it. Yeah, you got to practice it. And it's li- and you know what? You do it for five minutes, and if it's not hard, you go back and you practice it again. Because the first time you picked up a pen or the first time you picked up a pencil, you couldn't just put start writing off, you know, full sentences and beautiful paragraphs and lovely stories. But what did you do? You picked up the pen the next day and you began to put it together. So you used schemas and scaffolding for yourself to build skills that you can then put together at another stage. Absolutely brilliant. Exactly what you just said there, your attitude toward mindfulness meditation. I was a class class rep in 2010 in, in Tallaght when I'd done my sports science degree. They brought this guy in for what was called alternative health. And I was like, what? What's the story of this bullshit dude coming in talking about Tai Chi, Gumboya, my lord. I said, I'm on a science course. I'm here to get the facts. I'm in Aladdin's cave. I want the answers. I don't want some guy running around with feathers and dusters telling me. <laughs> I says, this is bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> now, right, 10 years later, okay, I'm sitting in the flats like Hatma Gandhi over here singing yeah. Gun ah. It's just, I laugh at myself that the, the hypocrisy and the paradox of life. But uh, do you know what? And just what you said earlier, I'm okay now to say I got it wrong or I might have been wrong. And and this is what serves me well. It's 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 unreal how our minds changes, isn't it? Yeah, you've probably come, like again, um, a good friend of mine who would be done. I actually think done the same course of you, really really smart guy as well. Uh, would often talk about you know the Dunning Kruger effect, and you know although this person's now has a master's level nine is teaching as well, he he, he would constantly tell his students. I know very little. I just know a little bit more than you do, you know. Uh, and the more we know, the more we realize that we don't know a lot at all. You know, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle all had the same opinions that, you know, the, the, the philosophy on these things were, yeah, okay, I know a lot, um, relatively speaking, but, you know, I know very little also. And that, that, that kind of point that you made there is key, is that we only have paradigms of education. We only have paradigms of science. You know, don't don't let's not forget at one stage scientific world we lived in believed that the world was flat, you know, and people who had any thoughts against it were burned at the stake for it. So you've only got certain paradigms that will change over periods of time. Things we believe in now, things that I would have studied in sports science 12, 13, 15 years ago are now obsolete. But at the time I would have vermily to, you know, said, oh, the, you know, epistemology, they're scientific, they're a hard science, they've been trialed, it's a meta-analysis, it's peer-reviewed, all of these things, but you move forward 15, 20 years later, and they've all been discredited. So what we know now uh, is is okay for today, but tomorrow, who knows? Yeah, that's a great point. I love that point you just made there about only knowing a little bit. I'm in the process of building another program. Well, I have it done, but I, I, I'm, I was stuck there last week. Oh, geez, I didn't do a business degree. I didn't do this. I didn't that. But basically, all I'm trying to do is show them that this is the way I do things and how you could possibly use it. I got caught with, I need to know more. I need to know everything. But we, we, we don't need to do that, do we really? No. And and again, like I said, you know, going back many, many years when I would have started teaching um, that first year, uh, I, I, I look at it now and I'm almost cringing at the errors that I made, the amount of errors that I made consistently. Um, but you know what? That that was my learning. And it's 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 um, it's really like, you know, the the work of um, 
Vygotsky, Lev Vygotsky in terms of cognitive development that, you know, you, you will learn through discomfort that something is going to be difficult but once you learn it then it's an achievement because you've had to have discomfort in order to achieve it so if somebody says to you well look matt will you have a look at that quantum um physics mathematical equation up on the board straight away there's no real outcome there's no real release or reward for you there but if you have to practice and you have to struggle and you have to review and you have to research and you have to you know put time and effort into it once you then achieve that then that you said it earlier, the huge amount of dopamine released into the system there because it's it's actually worth something. So I think what you're saying there, having to work for something that we want to achieve um, over periods of time is invaluable to us. I think for me, it, it'd be one of my big things that I, can, I, I always have to have a, a moving target. I always have to have something that I'm aiming for, you know? Oh, I love it. And a great piece what you just said there, the, the program I built, past the mind your little self one the one i'm doing now the amount of learning i have i've actually took all that i do put on paper and i've learned more about myself and it's back to what people say is that when you teach two people learn like when i teach all this stuff i'm really learning i'm as i'm absorbing all this back and i'm reteaching myself and i'm also learning from them too yeah of course i mean it, it's i i would have went from being a, a tutor who would have maybe stood and you know spoken prodded with a couple of questions here and there but what i've learned over the years is that you know my teachings become very much constructivist it's it's about them learning them listening uh but then them teaching themselves but also teaching each other so peer learning is is so oh, powerful you know putting them into groups just setting a problem for them and allowing them to okay you can guide them along the way but you've got to create problems for them to be able to solve so that you know next week when the tutor isn't there or you know whatever's happened that they they they're not worried about you because when we think about a lot of educational systems it's regurgitation of information or it's do as i say and do exactly as how i say you know and i think we mentioned that at the start you know i i love the idea of you know testing kids when they're in that intuitive stage when they're in that imaginate uh, imagination stage where you're just saying to them you know what way would the world look tomorrow if you know dinosaurs were running the world and create you know testing their creative imagination checking them on hypotheticals and things like that we you know that cliche you know teaching them what to think we should be teaching them how to think you know not what to think Oh, fantastic. I love it. Love it. Come here. What, what do we say to people that's going through struggle at the moment due to COVID, the difficult situation, gyms are open, train, can't be training, can't do exercise, you know, any kind of struggle, men or women, how do we, how do we mind people and help them stay safe? What's, what's your thoughts around that? What's your words of wisdom to help people? I think find what you like, you know, find what works for you, find that you've got something on each day. If you, if you can, for me, I'd be, I'd be saying, can I hit some of the pillars of health? Can I, you know, maintain it? And even if it's the one, you know, if you're looking at your diet and you're saying, at the minute it's not particularly good or, you know, the kids don't particularly like eating these types of things. Maybe if you can just create, as I said at the start of the show, little victories. If you can get one meal a day where it is healthy and nutritious um, and then maybe the next day it's a, a little 
bit of an exercise where you go on a walk um, and then maybe the next week you start to track your sleep or you're tracking your emotional health. But you, you've got to find what works for you. You've got to, as best you can, be grateful for what you, for what you have. I'm sure everybody in some reflection of their social circle will know people who are far worse off, you know. Um, again, famous quote, can't think of who said it at the moment, you know, if we were all to take our problems and put them into one giant pool, uh, each would gladly take home their own you know so <laughs> brilliant you know when you think about it you might be saying today off oh, of to go and do this and you know what well, no, i don't even have time to do this next thing but then if you reflect on you know and i, I said at the start you know social comparison is a dangerous thing but when we're comparing it to real life situations you know in this country we're in a sad situation where homeless people are you know really the the treated um awfully uh, for want of a better phrase and they're at the bottom of the, the the barrel when people come to the thought process you know and everybody and within society would will often say it's terrible isn't it and, you know would give i'd give me a couple of euro or whatever it is but you know how many of them people then if a homeless person called at their door would not let them near their house or let them into their house would prejudice still exist would stereotypes still exist you know um and of course there's self-protection of course you'd have to look after your own and make sure everything but in general when you think about it uh society is in many ways still self-serving Absolutely fantastic. I'm just mindful of the time uh, and I, I promise you I could probably talk to you all day. I actually, I didn't realise how good this was going to be. Yeah. I, I'm absolutely fantastic. I'm buzzing here. I'm looking, I wish that clock could slow down. What's, what's the one thing you would like people to take away after listening to this interview? Just be kind to yourself. You know, um, we're, we're living in a world where people are obsessed with self-improvement i've got to get a bit quicker i've got to get a bit stronger i've got to get a bit faster i've got to get a little bit leaner or a little bit muscular a bit bigger muscularly you know we're, we're living in a world where you know self-development people are obsessed with self-development but you know what sometimes it's it's important to just rewind and to be, be aware of self-acceptance accept who you are accept that you know life is tough at times and you're gonna have bad times but call on your friends call on your social circle um, and and be aware that some days are going to be a two and some days are going to be an eight but you know it's the in-betweens that'll get you to where you need to be you know but be, be kind to yourself ah oh, fantastic my interview with my mentor jeff thompson he's wrote 40 50 books films blah 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 and of all the learning all the stuff he said he just said what you just said there at the end just be kind simplicity is the is is the key isn't it it's the highest form of sophistication absolutely yeah i think you know it's yeah as you said you could talk all day about different things and all but today be kind to yourself and at the end of the day you're you've made it you're part of the face james hill i love it uh james i'm absolutely blown away with this conversation what was jumping out at me i love the fact that you're a vessel for your father's teaching and learnings you are doing what he showed you he modeled to you what it is to be a teacher true love kindness compassion understanding your parents your mom gratitude i love it i'm i'm probably looking back thinking i wish i had you as a lecturer now and uh, i love your style i love the way you think i love your compassion and it comes from a heartfelt place so i promise you from the bottom of my heart i'm absolutely delighted and privileged to have this chat with you i'm i'm thinking going fucking that was amazing i wish i could have done it for hours 
Yeah, absolutely. Not at all. And it's it's great. It's great to reconnect. Um, and, and I think it's important that day that we did uh, go for that walk. Um, I got a lot from it as well. Really enjoyed the conversation. And it's, you know, obviously, I think maybe I didn't get to, to, to teach you while I was in Indycar and you were a student there, but we still connected. And I remember... Um, that we did have conversations about certain things, um, even all the way back then, um, which just is, it's great. And I think, as you say, there's no greater compliment to see an ex-student per se doing, doing the work that you're doing and, as you say, paying it forward to others. So, you know, you, you should be very proud of yourself as well. Yeah, uh, James, look, thanks very much. I really appreciate your kindness. Uh, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge. As always, I say to everyone, mind your little self, and you're kind to you, you're kinder to the world. So thanks a lot, James. No problem at all. Thank you. Thanks a lot, my boy.